Hey everyone, this is Isaac Maddox, and I'm the pastor of Activate Church, and this is our podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to our podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, builds your faith, and I hope you enjoy the message. Today, cue really good music. I don't know. Come on up here. Get up here. Get up here. We love you guys so much. And, uh, come on, man. Come on. All right, the, the, the hugs have been given, and uh, here's the mic. See, I'm, this is what you do, and you're a good husband. It's what you do. It's what you do in church. I, I, it's wow. Wow, wow, wow. This church is awesome. You are amazing. The energy, the presence of the Lord, your pastors. Come on, give it up for your pastors. What a gift to the body of Christ. You know, we're church planters ourselves. 21 years ago, we planted. I know what it takes to plant a church, and I just think you guys should be just throwing down the coats for these people. The sacrifice, the love, the surrender. I just honor you. I thank you because you have created a benchmark in this city. You've marked it. You're taking it for Jesus. And that took courage and stick-to-itiveness. And God bless you, bless you, bless you. And we can bless them. We can bless them for that. So I don't know what your gift is. You've prepared for them for eight years, but it's their birthday. So let me just encourage you with that. New beginnings, eight years. It's the, it's the time of new beginnings, number eight. Of course, my husband whispered to me, it's also the day boys get circumcised. So you can choose whichever one of those two you want to go with. <laughs> but I'm kind of thinking new. I'm kind of thinking new. Because when God is about to do something significant and new, I'm not the preacher, just so you know. My husband's amazing. He's a preacher. But he did give me three minutes, so I'm only going to take six. Um, when God's about to do something new, don't you know the devil throws a hissy fit? Every time. Like, I don't know why we're still ignorant of his devices. Like, it's like that old devil. We get it now. Every time. I mean, back in the book of Exodus, chapter 1, you know, Pharaoh is about to have an all-out assault on the people of God. All-out assault. Why? Why then? Why then? Could the kingdom of darkness have had a clue that God was about to set his people free after 400 years of bondage? Maybe the devil had clued up to the atmosphere shift. Okay, we've been pushed down. You've had COVID. You might have lost some businesses. You might have suffered some terrible things at this time. But can I encourage your heart? God is ramping up for something significant. And he wants to use you in your own life and in the life of somebody else to do it. And if you read Exodus 1, I'm not even going to take time to read. You see that uh, the king comes against, Pharaoh comes against the children of Israel, wants the midwives to kill all the boys in Israel. Can I tell you when the enemy comes against us? There's this all-out all assault. It's so easy to feel insignificant. And like there's absolutely nothing we can do to swim against the tide of what is happening around us. But there were two girls, and I always preach girls because I love them. Two girls. 
Shipra and Pua. We're calling them salt and pepper because I don't want to keep repeating those names. Okay? Two girls who said, we can do something. We can make a difference. We're not insignificant. They were midwives. And they saved an entire generation because they were willing to step out from their place they were. They were available and they were courageous. And I'm just going to fast forward because I think my 5, 10, 15 minutes might already be up. What God wants to do in your life and through your life is not just for you. It reaches to generations. Don't be the person on the back row right now. Don't be the person who says, well, I can't, I can't, I'm pushed back. I'm pu-. No, let this spirit of salt and pepper arise in your soul that says, I'm taking back what the enemy is trying to steal from me. And I'm reaching into my future to secure a generation. The Bible goes on to say that because of them saving this, these babies The Israelites arose with might and strength. And you know which baby was born in that time. You're not insignificant. You can make a difference in Jesus' name. Why am I here? Thanks, babe. Not thanks. Some of you are wondering how how God sounds. He speaks like this. He has a South African accent. So just get used to it because when you get to heaven, God is going to say, welcome to my kingdom. <laughs> so um, hallelujah. Let's go ahead and pray as we get ready to enter into the word this morning. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you. Firstly, Lord, that we have felt the inhabited presence. We've, we have experienced the nearness of you. We want to thank you, Lord, that there is a habitation because where your people praise you, Lord, you fill that praise with your presence. And so we thank you that you're here now, not just as a presence, but as a person. And Lord, I thank you that as the person of the Holy Spirit is here. That Holy Spirit, you're going to move. You're going to customize this word and carry it from my mouth into the hearts of each person like a, like a beautiful Italian knit suit that's customized for each situation, Lord, that we're going to know we've heard from heaven. We know that it's specific to us, and we're going we're to leave this place carrying, Lord God, a now word, a word in season that we can fight with, that we can live with, that gives us an understanding into what you're doing in our lives right now. Right now, and we thank you for that because you're so good at doing that. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. So, just a confirmation this morning when uh, Pastor Carrie got up here, she shared a scripture from Romans chapter 8, and that scripture speaks to all these things. And that is the title of my message this morning from a different text. And um, how many of you have been through some things over the last 12 months? You've had some stuff. You've had some things. I want to talk about those things this morning from a God's eye view. Let's have a look at Genesis chapter 42 from verse 32. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible because it's King James after all. 
let's see. It says this. It says, actually, before we read the scripture, I want to I paint in a little bit of a backdrop for what's going on. We have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're picking up on the, on the patriarch Jacob in this story. Um, several years earlier, we see Joseph, Jacob's favorite son, disappeared. And he thinks he's dead, but he's not. He's been put into the Egyptian system, and he has risen to become the prime minister, second most powerful man in the entire world. And um, Jacob doesn't know it, but his son is about to make him proud. He thinks his son is dead. And uh, the story is right now, they're in the second part of Joseph's dream of the first seven years of, of plenty, and then the second seven years of famine. And if you remember the story, God doesn't just give him a dream, but he tells him what to do with the revelation. And by the way, some of us get so excited about revelation, we stop right there. You know, God spoke to me. He spoke. I got some revelation. We're so excited about the entrance of the word bringing light, we forget what the light's for. It's to show you what to do, not just to show you. So he sees what is going on, and then the Pharaoh's like, what do we do? And he says, well, we're going to store up this from the seven years of plenty, and uh, we're going to make sure there's enough food for the seven years of lack. And so we're into the several, several years into the lack. The whole world is suffering. How many of you know that this is a very similar story to the, when a pandemic hits, when famine hits, it doesn't hit one person, one family, one nation. It hits the, the known world at that time. We're all coming to what? To the storehouses of Joseph. Uh, they were coming from everywhere because uh, circumstances, the situation across the world was so devastating. Everyone was feeling it in the same way. Everyone was responding. Everyone was reacting. Everyone was wondering, how am I going to get through this season? Because what I have in myself is not enough. I need to leave where I am and go somewhere else where there is plenty. And the word got out on the street that there was a storehouse and there was more than enough there. And I could take my family. I could take my friends. I could even take my enemies with me. And there was enough food for all of us. Why? Because there was revelation in the midst of the situation that brought an answer for a generation. Okay? And so we find this story is so incredibly powerful because it speaks to the specificity of where we are circumstantially right now. So let's pick up the story. They've just come out of uh, taking a trip down to Egypt, and a situation has gone down that is not good. Okay, so the, here are the, the uh, 10 brothers that have taken a trip down to Egypt, and they don't even know that they're talking to their brother. It says, uh, we are 12 brothers, sons of our father. One is no more. They're still holding to the lie. One is no more. 
And the youngest, Benjamin, is with our father this day in the land of Canaan. Then the man, Joseph, the Lord of the country, said to us, By this I will know that you are honest men. He's still speaking to the character flaw that made this whole thing happen. Some bad stuff can happen through other people's bad character that can be a Holy Ghost setup to get you into your destiny. Wow. Wow. How good is God? So by this I'll know that you're honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me. He's seeing if there's anything that's changed. Do you value your brothers enough that it's going to be a problem for you to leave one here? Can you see how he's playing to his own story? And it says, take and leave your brother here with me. This is actually Simeon they're talking about. He wants Simeon to be left behind. Take food for the famine of your household and be gone. And bring your youngest brother to me <laughs> so that I shall know that you are not spies, but that you are, here we go again, honest men. And I will grant your brothers to you, your brother to you, and uh, you may trade in the land. And then it happened as they emptied their sacks when they got home, that surprisingly each man's bundle of money was in his bag. And when they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. You basically cheated the second most powerful man in the world, is what it looks like. And Jacob and their father said to them, and Jacob, their father, said to them, You have bereaved me. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. And you want me to take Benjamin? All these things are against me. Have you ever come to a point in your life where those words have fallen from your lips, where you've said, all these things are against me? I'm talking about your breaking point. That point where, and when we're, let me just back up a little bit and tell you about Jacob. Jacob is not a sissy. This is a tough man. This is a man who has wrestled through life to get to where he is. He wrestled in the womb and grabbed the heel of his brother from the very beginning. That's why his name is Jacob, meaning heel grabber, supplanter, or deceiver. He has worked the system to get to where he is. Not only that, he then tricks his brother out of his birthright. This is not something we should be celebrating. This guy is a, is a, is a, is a con man. But he's a Holy Ghost con man. Then he wrestles with God in the reeds and prevails. And something happens in that moment with Jacob where his name is changed from deceiver to prince, Israel. He 
God doesn't just change a name. He changes the nature of the man. Something happened inside the man at that time, and he walked a different way thereafter. Every time he took one step, he remembered what God had done. There are certain things in our lives that are so dramatic with God. It takes us being um, reminded just by every time we walk, there's a sense of, and God did that, I remember And God did that, I remember. You see, God wanted him to remember the moment of intimacy that he had in the reeds with the Almighty and prevailed. And God blessed him. And then it goes on to say about this man's life. He lost the love of his life, Rachel. He was deceived and had to work an extra seven years to get her. And the woman he didn't love as much outlived the woman that he did love with all his heart. This is a man that's gone through some stuff. He's lost his favorite son. He thinks he's lost another son, Simeon, who's actually being held as collateral. And now his baby boy, the the very crown of his old age, has a demand on his life by the second most powerful man in the world. He's living in the promised land of Canaan. Think of this. He's in the promised land. He's in the promised land. Come on, say, I'm in my promised land. He's in the promised land, and what's going on is that everything's falling apart. Everything's out of control, but he's in the promised land. What a contradiction. We're talking about a patriarch. My grandfather was given a promise by God. His name was Abraham, that God was going to give him a, this, these, this, this land. And then it was confirmed to my father, you know, Isaac. And then to me, where God appeared to him when he was at Beth El, house of God, where God opened up the heavens and he saw the angels ascending and descending. And he said, this is nothing other than the household of God. It's an awesome place. But here he is, surrounded by famine. Everything's drying up. Everything looks terrible. There's not one thing that he can see that's redemptive. He cannot see. That's why he says not just what he mentions, but all these things are not just bad. They are against me personally. Have you felt personally under attack at a certain point where you know, I can't, I can't do it anymore? Maybe you've gotten to a place where you realize that you have a breaking point. Everyone has a breaking point. Every, and the thing is about breaking point, there's not some kind of meter on the outside of your body, you know, where you go, okay, um, I'm kind of getting close. I think I'm about to hit it. But the thing about, especially for men, we don't like anybody to know that we're getting near the breaking point because we see it as a sign of weakness. I mean, come on, who's the strong one in your family? There's always the strong one in your family, right? Like that sister or that brother or that, that auntie. And she's like, you got a problem? Go to Aunt Jemima, whatever her name is. You go to that person. She's the strong one. And there is something about reaching the shame of your breaking point. Where you know that you are not equal to what is, you're facing. 
and there is about to be a breaking. Well, I've got some great news for you, for you this morning, and that is that your breaking point is actually your making point. Your breaking point is your breakthrough point. God brings you to the end of yourself because it says that our, in our weakness, His strength is made perfect. It's not in our strength that He is glorified. He is not glorified in our humanity. He's glorified at the end of our humanity where His divinity can take over and there is no competition for the glory because we're broken. Because we're broken. And God loves a broken and a contrite heart. He's drawn to it. He loves it. And when we accept the fact that, yes, all these things have come against me, there's a, there's a sudden shift that we see happen in this amazing man's life. Israel starts to realize, yes, all these things are against me. But then there's a sudden shift in the story here. Because he has to leave his promised land and move what looks like backwards into the Babylonian system, if you would, backwards into not the promised land, another place that represented something entirely different, a heathen culture, heathen gods, things that they, they had no part of. And he takes his family and moves into the incubator of God. Some of you are like, how is that an incubator? Well, when you view your life purely based on your own lifetime, you will have a wrong perspective of the things of God, the ways of God, how God works. God doesn't just do stuff for you and for me. He sets you up for the generations that will follow your life. God set a family called Israel into a nation called Egypt to incubate a nation. They went in as a family and they came out as a nation. God had to dry up the whole world in order to move one man. The miracle of a famine is just as great a miracle as a feast. Famine will get you to go where the feast won't get you to go. Famine speaks to your comfort being removed. Feast speaks to your comfort being fed. When God dries things up, He does it to move us into another level. He's going to take you in what looks like an opposite direction in order to set you up for multiplication. Because that's what happened here. It looked like he shouldn't be doing it. And God was in the detail from the moment he thought that his son had been eaten by a mountain lion and the brothers come back with the bloody deceiving coat to say he is no more. And his pain and his shame turned into the very tool that God used in order to make a way where there was going to be no way, not only for him and his family, but for the nations of the world. 
So what looks like a breaking point to you is a making point to God. What looks like backwards to you is actually an acceleration into your destiny for God. You see, we look through a glass darkly. We see in part, but God sees the whole. We see in time, but God sees in eternity. God has been in your past. God has been in your present. God has been in your future. God is in your past. God is in your present. God is in your future. Because He doesn't dwell in time. He dwells in eternity. So the way God relates to you is not through time. God relates through who He is. And so we don't understand, and that's what takes faith, because you've got to understand at least this about God, that everything He does is good. Even though it may look bad at the time, it's good. Some people are saying, yeah, well, you know, COVID has been a reset for the whole world, and definitely for the church, this is the new normal. Ah, wrong. Why is that wrong? Well, Coming from a first world Christian mentality, we have something called digital church. We do church online, church on the line, on the interweb. You have to watch the movie. So uh, we think that that's it. That's how it's going to be. You know, that is so off base. Let me tell you why it's off base and how selfish that is. Do you know that 90% of this world cannot afford data? I come from South Africa. I know what I'm talking about. Pastors have committed suicide who have rural churches. Most churches in the world are rural. India, where's the greatest population of all the... India, China, we talk about Africa, we're talking billions and billions of people who have no way to do church right now, and they're at home, and they have no way to connect with God outside of whatever Bible they've got inside of them. And so, you think that, hey, yeah, this is the new normal. It's not the new normal. One other reason is because the Bible hasn't changed. And the Bible actually says, forsake not, forsake not, forsake not, forsake not the gathering together. Come on, finish it with me. The gathering together of the saints. Come on, how many saints do we have in the house this morning? So, but, 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 but pastor, but pastor, but pastor, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What about love? What about love? I love people, so I'm not going to gather. Well. Well, well, you know, the devil is so clever when it comes to polarizing people over high principles. There are people that will not survive unless the saints can gather. They're just not going to make it. There are already so much fallout of people that you know, that I know, that aren't even serving God anymore. Is that love? Is that love? No, that's, that's actually harmful. And this is the whole thing where you, we live in a polarizing world with polarizing statements, either all this or it's all that. How about not all this, not all that. Life's not that simple. It's a combination of several things. Let's not go throw the baby out with the bathwater because I love people I'm not going to gather together. No, no. There are people who need to stay home and there are, there are people who need to be here. 
let people be people and make mature decisions and decide for me and my household, we will serve the Lord and we will serve the Lord this way according to conviction, according to principle, according to the Word of God. I'm not gonna make the decision for you. You're a child of God. You can make your choices. Come on, people. Amen. We can make godly choices. We can love people and we can do it the right way. That was just a little uh, kind of went on the other side there. But what I'm saying is we can get so... We can start seeing stuff wrong very easily. We can, because everyone's telling us there's a narrative and it's just bombarding us. There was a narrative that was happening around the world during this famine. And, 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 and it was a wrong narrative for, for, jo- for Jacob's life. He said, all these things were against me. And actually everything that was against him was actually for him. Because it was, it was the things that were against him that got him to move down the road. Some of us need to move down the road emotionally. Some of us need to move down the road relationally. Some of us need to move down the road in our careers. Some of us need to move down the road in our spiritual walk. Some of us just need to move. You've got to move. And there's that, there's that, there's that sense right now that um, I can't do anything. I'm a victim. You're not a victim. We are not a victim. We are victors and God is going to use this thing for His glory and we're going to come out better, not bitter. We're going to come out greater, not lesser. Why? Because we're responding. We're responding to this whole thing in faith with an understanding that God works all things together for my good. Whatever comes against me is going to be used for me. It's not going to be a tombstone. It's going to be a stepping stone. It's not going to be, you know, a place where I, where I, uh, I dry up. God may you dr- use dryness to move me on, but that doesn't mean I have to dry up with it. You don't need to dry up with this. Yeah, you have lost some stuff. Maybe you've lost a Simeon. Maybe you've lost a Benjamin. Maybe you've lost a Rachel. Maybe you've lost something. But what I can say is the loss does not define you. You get defined when you stop. When you stop where you are and your brokenness says, I can't move beyond this. I, I can't do it. It's okay to say I can't do it, but, but end it with this. I can't do it, but you, God, you can do it. And it was the moving back to Egypt that was in contradiction to the prophetic words and, and the momentum of, of, of two other generations. And all of a sudden, circumstances are speaking so loud and so clear. you got guys, I've watched guys like this. Their business is going down. And it's so obvious. And I'm like, you need to make a decision. When the rats start running off the ship, hello, You're not going to tithe your way out of it, baby. (laughs) Make the hard decision and know that God's going to use it for His glory. And what looks like a downgrade is actually an upgrade. What looks like a detour is a fast track right smack dab into the middle of your destiny. God is awesome. I know what it's like to lose babies. I know what it's like to lose money. 
I know what it's like to lose important relationships and friendships. You cannot go through this life without loss. But if your attitude toward your loss is all these things are against me, you will stop and you will dry up where you are. But if your attitude toward loss is that God's going to use the loss as an incubator moment to bring multiplication of effectiveness, not only in my life, but in the life of those people that I haven't even looked at. I don't even know your name. My grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, my great-great-grandchildren, where there's a legacy that's being laid down. There's a pathway that's being made. You are a trailblazer for people you do not even know. Because it's not just about you and me. It's about the generations that are coming after you. You are a way maker for them. You are a way maker for them. They don't have to go through what you've been through because you've been through it. God is going to do something different for them. I'm so glad, glad. I think about Bill Scheidler, Joanne Scheidler, and, and, the, and the heritage of faith that they've created for their children. And, for, and I think about my wife. I I, I'm punching. Do you know what that means? I'm not in my weight class when it comes to who I married. She's, she's, she's out of my league. Why does she want me? Because she saw destiny. She was attracted to the anointing. And God blinded her eyes. Blinded. Blinded by the Holy Ghost. Oh, if you need that anointing in your life. Some of you are like, what's that movie uh, where he's, Shallow, Shallow Hell. Shallow Hell. Shondi. Come on now. I'm grateful for legacy makers I'm grateful for generational people who think beyond their own life and have an eternal perspective and go, you know what, my life, after I'm all done, may not have been yachts and jets. But one thing I can say is that I laid a foundation of faith for my children and their children and their children. And their children. You know what I'm saying? Generational understanding. And living in the light of that, rather than living in the light of my own, what I can see and what's going on with me. God is about to do something in Egypt he could never, ever do in Israel. And you might look at your life and go, but I'm not, I'm supposed to be. And you're a walking contradiction. You're living in the contradiction. You're following Jesus in the fog right now. But that doesn't mean you're missing God. It doesn't mean that it's, God's not good. It doesn't mean that you're being judged. It doesn't mean that you've done anything wrong. It's just life. And God is going to make sure that as we continue to walk down that road. You know what? You know what happens? If you look at the drying up of things, you look at a guy called Elijah. He's at the brook. And it's sweet. He's got Uber Eats coming. He's got, he's got water when everyone else is thirsty. And he is enjoying uh, his life. And then God stops the raven. 
and the circumstances dry up the water, and only when that happens does he move. There's certain things that only dryness can do. Seriously. There are certain things that only famine can do. It's the power of famine to move you exactly to where God wants you because you would never choose to go to Zarephath because you just say, but it's just a widow and a starving kid. I mean, come on, what am I going to do? God says, well, I'm going to do, instead of lots of small miracles here every day, I'm going to do one mega miracle that's going to last for two years and three people. So would you please just move down the road? Because what? See, when we think about just ourselves, we miss God. We miss God. And we get all twisted in our perspective. COVID is going to turn into such an amazing blessing. It is going to be a catapult that is going to into your, into your destiny. And on that note, I was sitting there just thinking about the seed of what God has been doing in this church and the germination process. That is, a, that is a power seed of greatness that was put into the ground. And there is going to be a breaking forth this year. A real breaking forth this year. And all I can say is count it all joy that you are part of the journey at this juncture. I always say this to people. Could you imagine being part of Nike when he was... Phil Knight was in his garage with a waffle iron going, man, I need investors. I actually know someone who was invited on board, (laughs) and he thought he was a kook. (laughs) Yeah. And now? The level you're coming in now with what God's doing in this house, do you know why it's important? It's not just because you get to see it. No, no, no. You get to serve it and have a multiplication of fruit that comes out of it. That's what it actually means. When you serve something in the beginning of a thing, when, when it doesn't necessarily look so obviously in, I mean, this is an incredible church, but I'm just not talking hundreds of thousands of people here. No, when in the beginning of a thing, what happens is that's to your account, It's to your account at an early stage of something where you were there at a grassroots level serving, sacrificing, giving. And God is about to break loose in the house, in this house. So all I'm saying to you is get ready to to serve, to sacrifice, to sow into what God's doing because it is about to break loose. Hallelujah. Why don't we stand this morning? Why don't we stand? Just close your eyes. Right now there are people here. When I said you, you, you've reached your breaking point, you weren't clapping and amen. You were just like, ain't that the truth? That's me. I'm right there. I'm done. I am done. Maybe you're done in your marriage, maybe you're done in your finances, maybe you're done emotionally, maybe you're burned out spiritually, maybe you are just done. You know what? I'm so glad you're here. I am so glad you're here because this is the breakthrough point. 
God didn't bring you out to just leave you at the point of brokenness. He allows the breaking for the making. You're about to be made. You're about to be remade in a better way, in a more beautiful way, in a more complete way. And God wants to take all the bitterness of your brokenness out of you. He wants to take all of the the pain of what that's done and He wants to redeem it and He wants to show you what He's doing. You see, when you don't know what God's doing, you don't know how to respond. But when you understand what's going on, you're like, I can, I can cooperate with that. I, I get that. I can, I can do that. I can go another mile. I can do that. God wants to show you this morning what He's doing. Would you just raise your hands? If that's you this morning, you say, Pastor, you know what? You're speaking to my language. This is it where I'm at. I need to see some stuff right now that I'm not seeing. And, in, and if I'm off to Egypt and I feel like I'm going backwards, I just need to know that it's God's will for my life and that it's all going to turn out for the good. And God's going to multiply me and He's going to multiply the, the, the power of my life to affect generations that I don't even know about. Come on now, if that's you this morning, you're saying, would you pray a prayer for m- my situation? Would you just raise your hands real high to heaven right now? Don't be ashamed ashamed of your season. Don't be ashamed of your brokenness. Don't be, don't resent your pain. It's all part of God's process to get you accelerated into this new season. Heavenly Father, every hand that's up, every heart, Lord God, that's breaking. I ask right now in the mighty name of Jesus uh, that Lord God, the grace that was on Jacob to move out of what looked like the the perfect place to a lesser place. Lord God, wouldn't Lord Jesus uh, restrict people this morning, but that there would be uh, the eyes of the Spirit and a God's eye view to see what's going on, what's really happening. So we, Lord God, can embrace the process, embrace the process, embrace the process and not live in resentment, not live in, in bitterness, not live in disappointment or frustration. But God, take away the frustration, take away the pain, take away the pain of the loss. Take away the pain of the lack. Take away, Lord God, the disillusionment. Take away that sense, Lord God, of deep loss. And Lord God, I ask right now, Lord, for a move of the Holy Ghost in our lives, that we would begin to see what you see, a beautiful, bright future. Beautiful, bright future. Lord, I pray for hope, for eyes that can see. Say this with me. Open my eyes. Come on, show me Jesus. Open my eyes. Thank you, Father, right now. You're opening the eyes of our hearts. You're illuminating the eyes of our hearts so that we can see you, so that we can see what you're doing, so that we can cooperate at a higher level. Just thank you for that. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Pastor Isaac. Come on, can we thank Pastor James for bringing the word? Come on, come on. So good, so so prophetic, and um, you got you got you might have one more altar call in you. I know we got five minutes. Um, and when you when you see when you know what God is doing, you know how to respond. I mean that you know, there were so many things in there. 
But I think that was so key that God's going to begin to show you what he's doing and you're going to be able to respond. Amen. If that's you, man, just come on up here. We're family. We're just celebrating. We're eight. We're eight years old. If you need a physical healing, just come on up here. If you just need some, some, someone just to agree with you in prayer, just come on up here. Just wherever you're at, just receive an impartation. Sometimes you just need to step out of your seat and just break that thing and let fresh faith just come. But prayer team will be up here. We're just going to take a few minutes and uh, just, let, just let the Holy Spirit fill people up and just let that faith, let God begin to speak to you and let grace begin to fall in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Some of you are in a season change right now. You can feel the shift. You're in a shift moment. There's something shifting. It's shifting in your relationships. It's shifting in your business. It's shifting in your soul. You can feel a shift that God is doing something different, something new, something unexpected, something something that you may have resisted. You've been resisting the change because it's not come according to your design. It didn't come in your time frame. It was something that happened to you. It happened to you. And God wants to, wants to give you grace right now so that you can shift in your season. Shift in your season. Father, I pray right now, Lord God, for such a deep work of the Spirit in every single heart and life that where there's been illness, where there's been a Lord lack, where things have been diminishing, where there has been a taking away and a removal, that Lord God, there would be a shifting in our spirits, that we would get off the back foot and onto the front foot. Lord God, and that we would lean in, lean in, lean in, lean in, lean in, lean in, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you right now for new seasons and a new day, a new way of seeing it, a new way, Lord God, of perceiving it. Just a complete turnaround. A complete turnaround in the mighty name of Jesus. Yes, Lord.
There's just one more thing. There's just one more thing I felt. I just felt that the voice of the enemy is the voice of condemnation. And the, and the, and, 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 and the enemy comes and, and uses the word of God. When God spoke to Adam and Eve and said, don't eat of the tree, the enemy comes along and twists the words a little bit. So as the preaching of the word goes, I, I really believe that your, your, our, our past and guilt and shame and the enemy comes and say, that was you. You've been in fear all year. And, you've been, and, the, and, and the enemy comes to condemn. But I just want to proclaim as we sing this one more time, the name of Jesus, there is therefore now, there is therefore now no condemnation. When you come to the foot of the cross, condemnation is broken in the name, in the name, in the name, in the name, in the name of Jesus, in the name that is above all names, the name that is above guilt, shame, and fear, anxiety, unbelief, sin, falls at the foot of the cross. He said, use my of revival I really believe that it's overused it's cliches even the enemy uses that to condemn me oh you say that all the time the devil is a liar I believe we are experiencing even right now I just I just I just just someone's elbow I believe just is, is just, just being healed right now someone's elbow just just receive that in Jesus name just some stomach issues I just someone's got some stomach issues it's just Jesus just let him heal right now right now right now we just receive your word. You're the healer. Lord, we receive your power. Receive your word right now over our bodies. If you need a healing, just receive. Just receive the touching power and healing power of Jesus Christ. He is real. He is the healer. Just receive that today in Jesus' name. If you've never given your life to Jesus, just take this moment. If you need to rededicate, you just want to respond to the word of God was preached in this place just take this moment all it takes is faith it's faith that accesses grace it's nothing that we can do it's actually a belief it's a response to the word of God we are saved by grace through faith by grace through unmerited favor of Jesus Christ when he went to the cross he didn't just die for you he died as you it's as if you went to the cross that's how beautiful the crucifixion and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is. It's a complete work. And all you do is you say, Jesus, 
in your heart with faith, it's out of your heart, confess. Just begin a relationship with Jesus and just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you are who you said you were. I believe there is no way to the Father except through you. And in the name of Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart, come into my life, and take over. I don't want to live for myself. I don't want to live by feelings. I want to live in you. I want you to live in me, and I want to live according to the Word of God. I give you my life. I thank you for giving me yours in Jesus name 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 we thank you and Lord we just pray for our loved ones that don't know you oh we pray for this city we pray use us this spring and this summer to bring hundreds and to bring thousands of people into into grace into your name into church use us Use us. Use us. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you. I love you. I love you. Thank you for coming to church. Come on, let's give Jesus one last, one last clap, one last praise. We thank you. Lord, we love you. What a day. What a day. If you need some prayer, man, come on up here, James, and we're going to keep praying for a few minutes. And uh, have an incredible day. If you want to come back for the Kingdom Builders Lunch at 1, you can come back. If you just want to hang out and pray a little bit and say hi to someone, please do that. We love you so much. We'll see you next Sunday. We'll see you next Sunday. Yeah.